0: Good afternoon church You know we get the whole gang together It's a celebration What a celebration we have in today's service Our special mission Sunday In just a bit we'll be honoring The graduates And uh, after that We'll be having someone special uh, Make Jesus Lord of her life And be baptized right after service And you know thinking about this day, and I thought about what should I speak on this grad Sunday, and I thought, man, I could read some uh, Seuss-isms and just call it a day, but uh, you know, I'm sure you want the Word of God to be preached, and so I asked myself, well then, what's going to, what really matters most? Long after today, long after this day and this sermon is done, what matters most? You know, is it education? You know, some of us, I grew up in families where education matters most. You know, My wife and I kind of grew up in that, especially when you know, you're know kind of the first one, your family to aspire to college and be a college graduate. Uh, you know, getting, uh, achieving excellence is what can matter most. Uh, maybe it's how much we can make, how much of the world we can see. Maybe it's falling in love, relationships. What matters most? You know, here are a few things that matter to me. I uh, use a picture of my family, my wife, and my two kids here. And uh, on top of everything that's happened here today, or that will happen, it's actually uh, my youngest son's birthday. He's two years old today. And let me let, me let you in on a little secret he has no idea. <laughs> Uh, Here's something else that matters to me. The game of ping pong or table tennis. Right? It's up there. Right? No? Not really? Okay. Alright. Well, we're talking about what matters most. Okay, so maybe that's not really up there. But, you know, I'm going to be sharing from the life of David. A historical figure. A king. An actual king. And we can learn a great deal from him. And one of the things I love about the Bible is that through it, we can find ourselves. Through it, you can identify your strengths, your weaknesses, and you can find what God defines as what really matters. You know, I value the opinions of many trusted people in my life, but I value way more what God has to say. Over the course of 20 years of walking with God, I've learned more and more that what really matters most is what's inside of your heart. I don't know everything that's going on in your neck of the woods. I don't know what's going on in Dallas County. Even here in Collin County. But I do know this, that every one of us here has a heart. And you have something going on in your heart today. And so from the life of David, we're going to talk about that. And from his life, and, and, and I want you to think from your life, what do you consider that really matters most? As we look at the scriptures here, so you know, David shows up to the scene after another king. There's already been a king established, and that's Saul. And Saul was recognized as king because of his uh, stature, his posture. I mean, he, he was someone that looked the part. And maybe you're the first in the family. Maybe the second. Maybe you had a blessing of being maybe 3rd, 4th, or 5th, and if you had, then maybe you understand that you can learn a lot from those who have gone before you. You can learn from their mistakes, right? So Samuel, a prophet of God, is speaking to Samuel uh, Saul, and so here in 1 Samuel 13 we read, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said to Saul. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would have established a kingdom over Israel for all time, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. So David comes in at a time where Saul has not obeyed God. The prophet Samuel goes to Saul and he lets him know, you have been disobedient to God. And because you have not completed the task that God has given you, Saul's kingdom will not endure. So God directs the prophet Samuel. And we read here in chapter 16 verse 1 and 7, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons. To be king. And so Saul's trying to figure this out. I thought I thought by appearance, by outward, it was, it was him. It was Saul. In verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel is a prophet. He's trying to not only discern who his new chosen king is, but also guide this man towards God. But he needs God's help, and we need God's help too because we can't see man's heart. You know, you see some people, and you're like, "Man, that!" You go, "Man, that's the man. That's the woman." For some of us, you know, who are married, hopefully, you said that at one point. You looked at, you know, "That's my man." That's my woman, but however, you know, the outward appearance. I hope, hopefully, you know, that's uh, you know something that you know God's like, okay, that's nice, but really, the outward appearance uh, for however many years. Hopefully, we fell in love for something different because outwardly things start to change a little bit, right? And, and and so you know, it's like we start to learn, or or the prophet here starts to learn what many of us have to learn, which is it's not really about the outward appearance. It's not what matters most. But we live in a society. We live in a culture where industries dedicate billions of dollars to the outward appearance. You know, if we were to dedicate to the inside of our hearts as much as we do to the outward appearance, our culture would be radically different. Wouldn't it be? So Samuel learns it's it's something beyond the outward appearance. All in, you know all the way in the New Testament in Acts, David is mentioned. Hundreds of years have happened, and this this is how David is remembered in Acts thirteen twenty two. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, "I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart." He will do everything I want Him to do. What a phrase to describe you. Imagine God Almighty, the creator of the universe, describing you. He looks at you and says, that's my man. That's my woman. And why? Because he or she is somebody after my own heart. How do we know somebody is after God's own heart? Well, the scripture tells us, he will do everything I want him to do. You know, a great study for you and I to do is to uh, study out the, the hearts between Saul and David. And what a stark contrast you will find there between the two. Who start at the same place. And you see it in people around us. right? People who make the same decisions as you and I. Maybe they go to, uh, you know, to the same college, maybe they live in the same neighborhood, maybe they've attended the same church. But over time, the heart gets revealed as, as to what's really going on inside. And the evidence of what's really going on is what this scripture is talking about. He will do everything I want Him to do. Someone who seeks after God's own heart will do what I ask them to do. What's a woman, what's a man after God's own heart? I think of having a pure heart. A pure heart, but man, it's a tough thing to do. If we're truly sincere with ourselves, having a pure heart is one hard thing. You know it. You've seen it in people with a pure heart. Like you're like, wow, they just act differently. They see the same situation, but they think differently. Then you see a bitter heart. With the same situation happens, and wow, how can these see things that way? They see it very differently. You see happy hearts turn into angry hearts. But then you see someone with a pure heart. And they see people with different eyes, they treat people in different ways. 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. Then one of the young men said, talking about David, "Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, a handsome man, and the Lord is with them." You know, you're reading this list here. And you thought it was talking about you, but then once you got to, like, handsome man, you're like, oh, that's not me. Or maybe you're like me, and it's like, man, he started off with skillful musician. I was like, no, nope, I'm gone. But let's ask the question, right? Which one of these qualities do you want to be described to you, right? Yeah, you know, the fine-looking man, right? If we're honest, right? Man, you're so spiritual, You guys are just so spiritual. Okay, maybe the wise and prudent. Maybe the warrior. Right? To be described as God's warrior. But you know, the greatest quality that each one of us has prescribed, and let it be said, is that the Lord is with him. You know, the Lord is here. It's not really a question if the Lord is here. Is He actively working? Is He around in the scenes, behind the scenes? No, the real question is, Am I with Him? And that's not a question you want to let your feelings answer. That's not a question you want the people you have around you who will tell you what your itching ears want to hear, answer. That's not a question that you want to look at other people outwardly and compare and go, well, they look like they got it going on. And so I guess they just got it going on. They're all good. And it's not about evaluating other people. It's about evaluating how am I with Him? A pure heart seeks to be with Him. And He looks at His Word for answers. You know, at one point in David's life, he's facing off this giant, this huge giant, because everyone else is fearful. The troops are fearful. The king is fearful. And David, this young shepherd boy, shows up. But you know, when a pure heart looks at a situation, they look at it just a little different. And honestly, sometimes we can be cynical when a pure heart comes to a situation because we have spent so much time analyzing the situation. We have studied it out. We evaluated it. We know exactly what the outcome will be. So much so that we get paralyzed and do nothing. You know, we can learn from David and his pure heart. Because a pure heart, it looks at a big God. A huge God. And our challenge is, have we boxed him in? Because if we really believe in a huge God, that He could do mighty things, well then that's why David was able to do such a mighty, th- uh, mighty thing and take down the giant that day and gain victory. You know, we all have, we all are, And we will face giants of our own. But here's the real challenge. Here's here's the bigger challenge. Is God bigger than those challenges? Do you believe that God is bigger than those challenges you're facing? Let me put it another way. Is God bigger than your talents? Because some things are out of our control. Some things are not our doing. But there are those things that are absolutely our doing. How did we get here? You can look back at your life and the decisions you have made and it has been ours. That now we're like, man, we're, we're hindering ourselves from meeting God. Sometimes it's because we, tr- we trust so much our talents. Oh, right. right. well, you know, I, I graduated with, you know, I know so and so and, oh, this, this many years of experience and so, you know, I, I, I totally get it, I know. And God looks at us and He's like, and? <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. You done? Because move out of the way, because I got some great plans. I want to use you. But you gotta get out of the way so I can do my work. You know, first Samuel 23, verse 1, when David was told, Look at the Philistines. Uh, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Keilah. You know how you can see a pure heart? You know, before a person makes a decision, they go to God in prayer. Prayer purifies the heart. Prayer clarifies the heart. It's why we need our gardens of Gethsemane. Jesus had to do it. Then I got to do it too. Because only when I inquire of the Lord do we get great clarity. Purity of heart and mind. Because by nature, your heart, my heart, it is not pure. It is deceived. And we can't do that on our own. We need God. Psalm 19 reminds us, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to His Word. And don't worry, you're, you're, you're young here compared to somebody else, so it's talking to you. And it's talking about walking with God. It's not a checklist. It's not a shortcut. There are no shortcuts. It's the only way to be able to see clearly to purify my heart. A pure heart also identifies the relationships or by the relationships it has. In 1 Samuel 23, While David was at Horash in the desert of Ziphah, he he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horash and helped him find strength in God. That's a scary day. Hopefully no one has threatened you to come after your life, but here, David, his life is endangered. And the person who comes to help him is the son of the person who wants to kill him. Talking about putting your neck out for your friends. Right. Someone seeking to have a pure heart will seek relationships that will purify his heart. God knows who you need around you, and he is working. He is putting the people around you in your life. He works through our friends, he works through our neighbors, he works through our co-workers. He works through our family members, your children, your parents and grandparents. He works through anybody who's willing. But are we ignoring them? You know, we would be here all night if I told you all the men that God has placed in my life to get me where I'm at here today. I do want to share that God has put Addie in my life. And Addie is someone who seeks to have a pure soul, pure heart before God relentlessly. She's someone that helps me to make godly decisions when my nature becomes a bit more humanistic, a bit more worldly at times. How does this please God? Does this please God is the question you gotta ask myself? And why? Well, because she, she wants to help me have a pure heart before God. Amen. You know, who can you help find strength in God today? And who in your life is helping you find strength in God? You know, a woman or a man, after God's own heart, pursues a grateful and a humble heart. You know, let me ask the question: Are you really known as a grateful person? If you were to ask the people around you, I mean, was that right off the top of their head? One of the words that they would attribute to you, man, they're just grateful. You know, for some of us that comes very naturally overflowing. I mean, just oozing with thank yous. Oozing with you know, please. Complaining and finding fault in others is not a habit of theirs. For others, praise God, that through God, we can be transformed. We can become more grateful, right? We can be more humble. Because there's no better medicine than a humble and grateful person. You interact with somebody grateful, man, they'll tell you God is good. They always find something to trust God in, something to be grateful for. I think of our dear sister Heather. I think of the challenges. And that picture is so amazing, just to see Rutgers, thumbs up. We're going to continue to be there for each other. But you know, it reminds me, it reminds me that the gratitude that we ought to have. And it also reminds me to pray for our children. Not just those that are graduating, transitioning from XYZ, or those who've made Jesus Lord already, or those who have and fallen away, walked away from God. I'm talking about our prayers that when they meet God, that they would be ready to meet him as a faithful disciple of Jesus with a pure and humble heart. Amen. Amen. First Chronicles 29. This is David's prayer. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, Father, forever and ever, yours, are God, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and in the earth, yours is the dominion. O oh Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And in your uh, lies in your hand to make great and strengthen everyone. Now therefore, our God, we thank you. And praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people? That we should be able to offer as generously as this. For all things come from you. And from your hand, we have given you. You know, here's David. David's prayer reflecting on the privilege it is to offer back to God. Giving back to God and His people uh, what God has given to them in the building of His kingdom, in the building of His temple. and who am I? Who are you? Who are we? that today, collectively as a church, we have the privilege. it's a privilege and an honor to sacrifice in such a special way towards the building of God's church all over the world. in Texas, and Eurasia and Mexico. I imagine our brothers and sisters cheering us on. I imagine the angels in heaven cheering us on as we, as we take hold of this opportunity to say no to materialism, to say yes to the investment of souls being saved. Amen. How incredible it is to be a part of this privilege. It sounds like to me that we need special missions more than special missions needs our money. Who am I that I get to spiritually serve the country that I was physically born in. You know, I'll be visiting and teaching a class to the brothers and sisters there in Mexico as they gather in July for the Mexican conference. And you know, they're going to be helping me with my Spanish, I'm sure, as each time they do. But they keep inviting me back, so I guess they are understanding what I'm saying, right? Or maybe they just like making fun of me, but you know, I'm going to believe that my Spanish is getting better, okay? but yeah, we face tough challenges yes, we suffer but man, I look at my life and I hope you can look at your life and go, wow God you are good yeah. to be the son of the living God to be a daughter of the living God to have God help discern the depths of my heart who am I that you have brought me this far? So how important is the heart? Proverbs 4 will read, My son, pay attention to my words. Open your ears to what I say. Do not lose sight of these things. Keep them deep within your heart because they are life to those who find them. And they heal the whole body. Guard your heart more than anything else. Because the source of your life flows from it. He's saying guard it above all else. What matters most is that you guard your heart. Because even though we're talking about so many great things, and he is remembered for many great things, a man after his own heart, when we're not guarding our heart, Satan like that can seek into our hearts. And we're capable of some wicked, evil things. That's why we gotta guard it. We gotta fight for it. Amen. And so as we prepare to take communion, let's remember Jesus as our greatest example of someone after God's own heart. You know, Jesus never accomplished one of the things that would describe someone as successful. He had no credentials, he had not no degree, never went to college, he never got to move the tassel from the right to the left. He never held office. He never published or wrote a book. He never had a family. He never traveled the world. And yet, there is no other name who has impacted the life of mankind so powerfully as the name of Jesus. He spent his life not bragging about being the Son or being God, but rather, He was focused on what does the Father want? Because then that's, that's what I'm going to do. In Matthew 26, as He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, going a little farther, He fell with His face to the ground and prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from Me. Yet not as I will, but as You will. You know, Jesus wrestled in His hardest moments in life in the Gethsemane in the Garden of Gethsemane for hours in prayer between his will and God's will. And he decides, I'm gonna do the Father's will. Amen. And in his final moments of life, he said, It is finished. But what was finished? Everything the Father wanted him to do was finished. Jesus, a man after God's own heart. Join with me in prayer as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper. Our Father, we come before You aware that You know our hearts. God, we know that You seek the depths of our heart. You understand and know it even better and many times when we do not. When we're deceived, we're confused, we're distracted. God, thank you. You always have a plan to bring us back to help us have a pure heart. To help us have a humble heart, a grateful heart. That when you look down on us, that we could be a men and women that are truly seeking, truly pursuing as a person seeking your heart. God, please forgive us at this time as we remember our transgressions, we remember our sins, and we think about the ways we've fallen short. But Father, help our eyes to be fixed on your Son and what He accomplished through His faithfulness that we no longer need to be shamed, we no longer need to live in guilt, we no longer need to be in bondage to our sin but we are free, free to live a life worthy of the calling that You have given to us all. We're so thankful for Your Son, Jesus, and we reflect on His life at this time. And in His name we pray. Amen.